Beavers. They are the second biggest rodent in the world. They have orange teeth. They have as many hairs in a square inch of their pelt as you have in your whole head. The oil they use to stay waterproof reeks. They cut trees and build dams. Hey, what's not to love? Welcome to Lynx Exploration Bay Area. Climate change. We look at it up, down, and sideways. We follow the links between climate change and so many other issues, and all of it with a local twist. Welcome to Link Exploration Bay Area. My name is Jean Rosenmeyer, and I'm your host for the podcast today. I'm here with Mitch Avalon and Heidi Perriman. And how about introducing yourself, Mitch? Yes, uh, thank you for having me here today. Uh, my name is Mitch Avalon. I've been involved in creeks around the county and in particular in Alhambra Creek in Martinez area for many years, uh, professionally and personally. I worked for the county flood control district for many years as a deputy director and have been on the Alhambra Watershed Council for 25 years. And we've been working with all the issues surrounding Alhambra Creek and the watershed. Thanks. And Heidi, I've read your name in in the book about the secret life of beavers. So you are a famous beaver advocate. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. I actually didn't come as a beaver advocate. I'm a child psychologist by trade, and I became a beaver advocate when beavers showed up in Martinez. And I started the organization Worth the Dam, and I maintain the Martinez Beavers website. Well, that takes us right into, let's talk about the history of beavers in Martinez. What happened? It was a kind of exciting adventure. That in 2007, some beavers showed up and they built a dam and a lodge and they took down some trees and Martinez was pretty surprised. This was in the middle of Alhambra Creek. It was right near parking meters and Main Street and the city was concerned that the dam was going to cause flooding. The people were excited to see beavers in their own little town. The property owners nearby where the dam was located, which was down by Marina Vista Avenue, kind of near the bottom of the creek, right in the downtown area. And the property owners were a little concerned and they approached the city council and the city and their response initially was, well, we have concerns from our property owners nearby flooding because of the, the beaver dam that's in the creek. The easiest solution if you talk to fish and game, they say, well, you can get a depredation permit to remove the beavers, kill them. And that's the path the city began to take. But I think there was you know, one lesson learned here with this whole situation was that the people of Martinez got really engaged. They took on the beavers and they really liked having them in a downtown area. We had people from all over the uh, Bay Area come and look at them because it's very rare that you can actually see a beaver dam and beavers uh, moving up and down the creek in an urban setting like that, right from the bridge. So there was a lot of people that got involved and there's TV cameras out there and it became very difficult 
for the city to eventually kill the beavers at that point. So I think that was a big lesson here is community engagement and support. If that hadn't happened, the beavers would have been, you know, eradicated. And that was where you come into it, Heidi, because you were one of the organizers of the... I would say that the city response made me. I didn't make the city response, but they certainly had a dramatic effect. I mean, in those days, you could go to Starbucks, you could buy your morning coffee and stroll out onto the patio and you could watch baby beavers play. That was really unusual. You could even hear them. So people really got engaged and there was this big meeting to discuss the fate of the beavers. Some 200 people showed up for that meeting and they said pretty much with one voice, we do not want you to kill these beavers. Find a different way. And the city council decided, "Mm, we'll try and find a different way. And is that where you got into it, Mitch? Yes, the city, I guess you could say when any political body is faced with a situation like that, they form a committee, (laughs) which is what the city council did. They formed the Beaver Subcommittee. They asked me to be on the subcommittee because I was with the Flood Control District. But our task was to find a way for the beavers to coexist in an urban environment with surrounding property owners. The subcommittee had public meetings and uh, I think one of the important aspects of, of this whole subcommittee process was that it provided a forum for education of the community and the property owners about beavers and ultimately what can be done to ensure that if you have coexistence that you can protect property at the same time. What kind of problems do the beavers create? Well, they build a dam and the dam you know, backs up water, which can be a problem for property owners. It can be a benefit to the environment which I'm sure Heidi will get into in a little bit. But from the surrounding property owners, they just saw water backing up and were afraid if there was a storm that it would back up and overflow onto their property. Were they blocking culverts as well or just building dams and keeping water from flowing? The structure of our area didn't really make that a problem. They were taking trees, though, and that was another thing that people were concerned about. There was a dam there from that beavers built, but yeah, whether it would cause flooding or not, that's a, a whole another question. And so we focus on how you could have a dam there without creating flooding problems. You have to kind of go back in time to imagine this was 2007. There were actually only three sites on the entire internet that talked about coexisting with beavers. People had to do a lot of digging and researching to come up with these answers. I basically got on the phone and started talking to experts all across the country. And that is what made the information available for Martinez to ultimately put in a flow device. And the flow device uh, pond leveler, that was the first time this had ever been done in California. You're talking about the beaver deceiver? Uh, yes, technically it's not a beaver deceiver, but okay, you could call it that. That really had never been shown to work. And when people called Fish and Wildlife and after they had heard about these newfangled things, Fish and Wildlife, to a T, told them 
Those things never work. They won't work in California. They couldn't possibly work in Martinez. And I'm really happy that what we showed is that the pond leveler actually controlled our dam height for a decade. So were you involved in installing this thing, Mitch, or choosing it? Well, we had a gentleman from the East Coast who installed these things, Skip Lyle. He gave a presentation to the subcommittee, showed what these things were. Well, he talked about why beavers build dams and why they keep building them. And adding to them, it's an environmental response to making sure the dams are, are, um, you know, leak-proof and they get up to a certain elevation so that they uh, meet their needs. And he said, you know, you you can come in, you have this beaver deceiver is what most people call them, and you can set the pond level. And then once uh, you set the pond level, then they won't build a dam above that height. So how did they decide what level was the appropriate level? Actually, the city did hydrologic studies of Alhambra Creek to figure out what the height should be for the pond leveler. The city had a team standing by when there were storms in case they had to remove the beaver dam to let the water flow through. They never had to do that. The pond leveler did its job. And that was the solution that we came upon and implemented in the, in the beaver dam in the city. City workers helped put the beaver deceiver in there. So and, how, does it, uh, how does it work? Well, basically, it just moves the water from upstream to downstream in a way that's disguised from the beavers. So the beavers don't know they're losing water. There's a round fence or cage or filter at the top that prevents beavers from feeling the suction. Because if it wasn't there, the beavers would plug that pipe. They would know the water was going out. Basically, it just sneaks the water by the beavers. It's like a bypass pipe that goes over the dam and maintains the water at a certain elevation. They don't hear it dripping or flowing? They don't hear it because the filter's so large. They're moved away. It's six feet around, so they can't hear the water flowing into it. And they also, they do hear the water coming out, but that is not an issue. And that particular device, the exit, is quite far away from the input. And it's probably not that important, the audio of the... I know that there's a lot of writing and talking about how beavers are triggered to work on the dam by the sound of the running water. But that's not entirely true. Beavers live near waterfalls and they don't go crazy. So it's not just the audio. It's also the suction. It's also the feel of water. They have really great guard hairs on their fur. They can feel when water's moving and they know how to act. So what happened next? What happened next was that the city kind of was waiting for it to fail, honestly. There is actually a Fox News story about the beavers where the flow device is installed. And they talk on camera about the fact that they still have another plan for ripping out the dam if if it fails. I mean, no one really thought this would work, but it did work. So what happened next is that... The beavers were allowed to stay, and they built a series of dams in the Lower Creek. At one time, we had as many as five, 
And those dams changed the water situation in the creek and made lots of ponding and puddles. And we ended up with more species of birds, more species of fish. We actually identified some new fish in that creek because of the changes the beavers made. Uh, we had visits from otters. We had visits from mink. But the city of Martinez never actually officially said the beavers could stay. They never really took a vote on the fact that the beavers could stay. And so we got a little anxious that they might change their minds after the cameras went away. So we thought they might be safer if we held a party for them. So we had the first beaver festival in 2008. And that was really tiny and it really allowed us to put a positive involvement with urban wildlife and get other groups involved. And so we've had a beaver festival every year since then. This year will be our 14th beaver festival. And I understand they stayed for 10 years and then... Yeah, we had beavers for about a, a decade and... Over the 10 years, we had 26 kits born in Alhambra Creek. And those 26 kits all dispersed and grew up and went and found their own way in the world. And they're now, you know, affecting the beaver population all over the Bay Area. But the last time we had kits in 2015, we had a some kind of illness or die-off. So all the kits died. We had them examined by fishing game. We don't know why. It's possible that that had something to do with the very severe four years of drought we had been through. As Alhambra Creek is both tidal and fresh, our water was getting a lot more salty. So it's possible that could have had something to do with it. But we lost those beavers and the family decided they would move on and find a new place. You may be wondering where to go to see beaver activity in the Bay Area now that the beavers have left Martinez. There's what they call relic dams behind the Target in Pleasant Hill on Grayson Creek. The beavers aren't there anymore, but it's interesting to see because you can really see the difference between where they used to be and the rest of the creek. There's also relics behind Sam Clar near the Willows. But for active beavers, you have to go out to Fairfield. There's a whole group of them on Laurel Creek. And you can see a map of where their dams and lodges are at laurelcreekbeavers.com, or we have a link in our show notes. Yeah, so we have beavers in Napa, we have beavers in Sonoma, we have beavers showing up in San Jose, Palo Alto, and the beaver population has basically rebounded from the fur trade. And the kind of vacation we all got from beaver issues is over. So it's now time for us to all remember how to coexist or relearn how to coexist and why. So what do we do to make them happy and also us happy? I think that using uh, flow devices is a really good way to control water height to protect culverts. Actually, protecting culverts is the single easiest problem made by beavers that we can solve. Protecting trees is the most common issue that shows up for landowners. It's the thing that they get most upset about. And that's a very easy thing you can solve by wrapping a tree with wire 
or you can actually use abrasive paint on the tree where you mix a sand with latex paint and the beavers don't want to chew because it's gritty. So these are easy problems to solve and we can make a huge difference. And we could also, at the same time, be making our watersheds more resilient and making our biodiversity crisis a little less dire because the dramatic effect that beavers have on the watershed. Yeah, let's talk about what the advantages of having beavers in the world and connect it to climate change and so on. I would just say that beaver dams are removing nitrogen, they're removing phosphorus, they're removing a lot of pollution. The farther you go down the stream, the more beaver dams the water goes through, the cleaner the water gets. In addition to the fact that beavers are storing water on the landscape, they're affecting water storage above and below ground. So they're raising the water table. And even during drought, we end up with more water because of beaver ponds. We also see beaver ponds reducing flooding. So there's a lot of spongy soil that can absorb that water because the soil has been trained to soak up water and also the speed bumps are there to help with flooding and allow that stream to kind of reconstitute. Are there salmon in Alhambra Creek or steelhead? We, we might have accidental salmon. We do have steelhead. Is that a problem for them to get by the beaver dams? The research tells us that it is not. And also history tells us it's not. I mean, if you think about it, we used to have millions more beavers and we used to also have millions more salmon. I gather there's a program on Alhambra Creek to look for good topography for beavers. Is there anything on other places in the Bay Area that you know of? There are more places in the Bay Area we are we are mildly considering it. Until about six months ago, the state of California had a policy that said you cannot move beavers. So if a beaver shows up and you don't want it, the only option you had was to kill it. And there is currently a new plan by the California Department of Fish and Wildlife to allow for beaver relocation and restoration using beaver but it's not in place yet, and it's still getting its legs under it. So I understand they used to say that beaver were a non-native species? Correct. In the 20s and 30s, fishing game actually relocated beaver all over California to make up for the devastation of the fur trade. And they kind of did that partly because of trapping and partly because of wanting to take care of the fish population and keep things going. But somehow in those years, fish and game forgot what they themselves had known. And instead they argued that beavers didn't belong in California in the Sierras. They didn't belong in any coastal rivers. They didn't belong in Alameda or Oakley. And they basically only belonged in Sacramento and the Delta. 
And we kind of work with a great scientist to kind of relook at the literature and the tribal lore and the trapping records to really examine that question because it didn't make sense to us that there would be beavers all the way from 10,000 feet in the Colorado Rockies and all the way down to the Sonora River in Mexico and on both sides of the Grand Canyon, but they just couldn't manage the bumpy California hills. So <laughs> we we did some papers and we published them in the Journal of Fish and Game and basically said, you know, beavers were all over California. It is an argument that kind of disappeared everywhere except for San Diego. San Diego is still sticking their heels in saying beavers don't belong there. Well, I can't end a, a discussion of beavers without talking a little bit about their spectacularly adaptive physiology. Well, beavers are really uniquely evolved for their jobs. They live in the water, even though they breathe air just like us. The line of the beaver is kind of set up so that its eyes and its ears and its nose all stick out of the water when it's just laying there, not really doing anything. It can swim along powerfully with these back feet that are webbed like a duck's, and its front feet are grasping, like kind of like a raccoon. So um, it can be grabbing things in the water, and while it swims along, it can hold its breath for up to 15 minutes. It even has a second valve behind its mouth so that it can be swimming along under the water and carrying a stick, but never get water down its throat. So beavers are really remarkable in terms of their readiness for this job. Their thick fur is dry and really unbelievable how thick it is. That's why we wanted them for the felt for hats. But it's not waterproof, so it has to be constantly treated with oil from their castor glands. And so that's grooming, and that happens every day. And castor glands are also part of what the fur trade was going after. Tell us about their eyelids. That That's amazing. Thing. <laughs> they have a third eyelid so that when they're underwater, they can close that third eyelid and they actually can still see in what they do. Now, beavers don't have great vision, but their sense of smell is extraordinary. They really make a lot of decisions based on that. Actually, beavers have these special little eyebrows above the top of their eye and if you've ever looked at one closely you'll notice they're quite long and it's considered that that little vibrosa is so connected to so many neurons that it should even be considered a separate sense so they have tremendous ways of gathering information about the environment just not the ones we usually use wow yeah well i'm Coming to the end of our time, is there anything else you'd like to put in here? My final plug would just be that in our work in Marginus, it took about half of a day to solve the problems the beavers actually caused. Skip took about a half day to install that flow device and took a little bit of time to wrap the trees we needed to wrap. But the biggest problem was the problem that people thought they were going to cause. And honestly, we are still working on that. 
That is an endless problem. And that is about education and is about outreach and is about uh, really understanding that beavers on the landscape have a value and they're a problem worth solving. When's the next beaver festival? The next beaver festival is June 24th and it's going to be really wonderful. We have this artist that works with us from Napa and she does a huge chalk mural in the middle of town. And I just heard last week that the beaver restoration team from California Department of Fish and Wildlife wants to be part of that festival for the first time. So that's a huge deal. That's in Martinez in Susanna Park, and it's free, and it's a lot of fun, live music, lots of activities. I promise it's not boring. Well, thank you very much to both of you. for. It's been a great learning experience. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I'm sure the listeners are going to enjoy this episode. Thank you so much, and thanks, Mitch, for being such a guy. It was a pleasure uh, talking with you guys. You may have noticed that Mitch started having some sound issues right at the end. I apologize for that. There was also a book that I mentioned that talks, among other things, about the Martinez beaver experience. It's called The Secret Life of Beavers. It's by Ben Goldfarb. It's a great read. I highly recommend it. As of September of 2022, the California Fish and Wildlife has launched a beaver restoration team I will put the link in the show notes to some information about them. The Alhambra Watershed Council that Mitch is on continues to look for suitable habitat for beavers, and I'll put a link to their website in the show notes. You may be wondering about whether there are any plans to have beavers reintroduced to Walnut Creek. I did ask Paul Detchens of the Lower Walnut Creek Restoration Project, and he said that Their team is agnostic on the subject of beavers, so we'll see if they choose to establish themselves. And that does it for this episode. Join us in three weeks for another exciting episode of Lynx Exploration Bay Area. Exploration Bay Area is an independent podcast. You can find photos, show notes, and our archives on our website at linksploration.com. You can email us at linksploration at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. This is Jean, Sharon, and Christy signing off until next time.